Black Sabbath 1, the first album, we recorded that in 12 hours, believe it or not. The whole thing was done in 12 hours. Paranoid took a week. And then after that, the success started to infiltrate through the personal members of the band. It got to a point that we, if we didn't fly around the world twice and land in some obscure recording studio in the middle of nowhere, it wasn't going to be the, the best album. My argument with Sabbath was, why do we have to fly to Toronto in the middle of January and spend three months in the freezing cold to come out with what? An icebox. Welcome to another episode of Diary of the Madman, the ultimate Ozzy Osbourne podcast where we geek the fuck out about all things Ozzy and all things Ozzy related. I am Josh Crum and with me smiling as always, Mr. Dan Drago. How are we doing, Dan? What's up? How you doing, Josh? Doing excellent, man. Tired as hell, working my ass off, slaving to the grind. But you know what I get to do now? It's Ozzy time. That's Can right. here spend the night with you and our main man, Mr. Ryan Beavers, who is also with us. How's it going, Ryan? Fucking fantastic. Good to be here. Appreciate the invite. Hopefully sounding better a little bit now that I'm semi-professional with the with the mic. Big news, ladies and gentlemen. Ryan Beavers has purchased a mic and is now semi-professional. Yeah. He's always $29.99 from Amazon, but still it's a mic. We'll tell <laughs> hey, you. Double that. But still, yeah. I don't longer sound like I'm in a well. I don't think right. I hope. No, no. Definitely better, man. Definitely. <laughs> Thank you for All doing right. that. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Ryan. Glad to have you on again, too. And also with Ryan being here, Dan, what's that mean? When we have three, what's that mean? It's a battle time. I hope you guys are ready for this. We are moving back to Black Sabbath, guys. What do you feel? Been way too long. It has. Way overdue. Yeah. Some Sabbath. Uh, and this is by far my my hardest battle of, of them. Yeah. they've all Actually, this battle, me and Josh were just talking about this and Ryan off air. This was actually a really easy battle for me, and I think it was kind of easy for Josh. And for the last three days, Ryan has been pulling his hair out, texting us, not sure where to go. So it's going to be a fun one. You know, I'm sitting on almost 30 years with these albums in my timeline, and you think you know yourself, and then until you see those songs side by side, you're like, fuck, who am I? What is this? I don't know if it's like how they've aged or how I've aged, but... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm shocked, and I think you guys might be a little disappointed in me, maybe. I'm guessing. I don't know. Let's be clear. Ryan's stress has been stressing me out, because for a week, he's been going, oh, man, I just don't know. This one's tough. I just don't know. So we're going to do a top 10 in order? No, no, no. We're going to do your ultimate. Oh, okay. I, I just don't know. And I'm going, I haven't even thought about it yet. Shit. Do I need to start thinking about this? Like, I'm not even giving it a second thought. But wait a minute. So, is anybody surprised that Josh is just winging it? I mean, that's every episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. We haven't even mentioned what albums we're doing, guys. So, Josh, why don't you tell the listeners what we're actually battling today? So we put it up for vote with you guys, and you chose for the classic album clash of Sabbath Bloody Sabbath versus Sabotage from Black Sabbath. Growing up back in the Stone Ages, you know, it was always the first five <laughs> Black Sabbath albums that were considered like the Holy Grail. But I think as years have gone on, it's now the first six. Wouldn't you guys agree with that? I think it is for real fans, for sure. Yeah. So. Honestly, these are my two favorite Sabbath records. I'll just get it out there by far. These are the two best Black Sabbath albums for me. They're my two most revisited, without a doubt. That said, guys, before we get into this week's episode, we thought we'd hit on a little bit of 
few pieces of news that came out over the week. We did have a new Ozzy Speaks where Ozzy was with Billy Morrison on Sirius XM. Not a whole lot of news, but it was a fun listen with Ozzy revisiting the Never Say Die release and the No Rest for the Wicked release because they had anniversaries this month. Was there anything on that you guys wanted to tip on real quick before we uh, move on to the episode this week? They brought up No Rest for the Wicked to Ozzy. And what was Ozzy's response, Josh? <laughs> Is that the one with fire in the sky on it? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, you gotta love it. We obsess over these albums and we know every detail on every moment. And the guys that fucking wrote them and recorded them couldn't give a shit. This goes back to I'm gonna name drop, but when we reached out to Barbara Ann Wild about Zach, you know, a few episodes back, she's like, Zach doesn't know what you're talking about or ever heard it. That noise on Evil Shuffle, you know, the scream or whatever. Like we obsess over this stuff and the people involved don't even really give it a second thought, man. It's so fucking comical that you know that that's his response. Yeah. We joke all the time about it that, you know. We've released so much material and we know Ozzy's material and Sabbath better than our own material. So I kind of get it from that perspective. But I mean, if you told me one of my records, I'd tell you what songs are on it. But I I still find it interesting. He mentions Fire in the Sky and not Miracle Man because Miracle Man was the big single. We all know he's not a big fan of Crazy Babies. He even mentioned that in the ultimate, uh, the Ozman Cometh booklet, if you guys remember that. But he must have really loved Fire in the Sky because that's the song he picked to play as well. Any song in the world he picked to play Fire in the Sky. And on later tours, right? I mean, up until just a few tours ago, he's playing Fire in the Sky, you know, off and on. Well, to the comment on the, is that the one with Fire in the Sky? It goes back to, it reminded me of the God Bless Ozzy documentary that Dan refuses to watch. They had, do you remember, Josh, they sit and they have him watch some music videos. And you could tell he he couldn't stand doing it. He was cringing the whole time. But he's like, I don't remember any of this. Didn't happen. Like, he had no recollection. As he's watching it, he has zero recollection of recording any of it, filming any of it. So that's just, I think it's just, besides his age, I think he's just drank and drugged himself that portion out of his head. Dan, there's a section that Ryan's talking about where they are. They're they're reviewing each of the music videos, and they're wanting his commentary on each of the videos. Like, tell us about this video. And in the middle 80s, there's just a complete struggle. And he doesn't really know. And it's not like in a... Like the Osbournes, where it's kind of like, oh, it's sad. It's it's, just, it's it's funny, but not in a way you're making fun of. Me. He's just like, fuck this shit, I'm out of here. And he just gets up and walks out of the room. Yeah, he just I, really it's doesn't, one, doesn't remember yeah, how much for him. Yeah, he was watching the Ultimate Sin video, and he just gets up from the couch. He's like, I'm just gonna go walk around and watch this stupid shit. Oh, <laughs> that's that's a great video. Oh, they, no, I love that video. Yeah, do they get to Miracle Man by the way? Because he does mention the Miracle Man video this week about all the pigs and shit. No, that was not in there. Okay. I think that's where about where it ended, actually, wasn't it? It, was, uh, it just showed a couple of them, but yeah. But I, man, he has to remember. Like, how does he not remember the So Tired video when the glass went through his throat? There's got to be some things that you have to remember. Yeah, he probably, sure. he, that, that one he might have. It just was not part of the, the, yeah. the clip included. It was Bark at the Moon, Breaking All the Rules, and The Ultimate Sin. Breaking All the Rules is probably not a very memorable video. I, no. You know, it's just him on stage. Kind of a performance video, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So the other interesting thing is the Osbournes released their new podcast this week. So they are back, the Osbournes. So it's Jack, Kelly, Sharon, and Ozzy. And Ryan, why don't you talk a little bit about what some of the things they talked about on the uh, Osbournes podcast? Apparently, they're going to kind of branch out and each do their own podcast. Ultimately, it sounds like Ozzy and Billy are going to maybe branch off from the Sirius and they're going to have their own podcast. And it's going to be a semi-regular thing, um, which could be very, very interesting. And then I guess he's having another surgery. They're in the process of like 
you know, looking at some things, getting second and third opinions. But he's due for another surgery, and he actually discussed how basically, like, the bone and muscle structure in his shoulders is so deteriorated that, like, gravity just pulls his head down, and he doesn't have the strength to, like, keep it up, which is, you know, that, that posture that you see him sitting or him, the way he struggles to walk. All of that is related to it. They're, they're hoping that the surgery corrects that or at least relieves some of the pain that he's still in. Well, one of the things I found interesting about that section of the show, though, it was some of the comments that he and the family made. You know, Ozzy's like, I've always kind of walked with my head down and forward, though. It's like, it's not anything new. I've always kind of walked away because I thought it looked cool. And it was kind of his joke. like, I thought it looked cool walking like that with my head down. And But it is true. That he's always kind of walked that way. And another section I thought was very interesting was he said his neck, you know, they had the neck surgery about six months ago, which he said had helped a lot. He confirmed on the new show that that has indeed helped a lot, but now his lower back hurts. So it's kind of moving down like a domino effect down his spine a little bit, which is something that I've talked to you guys about privately with me. I have lower back issues and they said, if we fuse these, it's going to put more pressure on the upper back. And it's this kind of something that happens with, with these kind of surgeries. And he did mention that and that it, the problems just kind of change. It's like you get one thing fixed, it goes on to something else. But one thing I thought was very interesting, I want to get your guys' opinion on, was when he was talking about the Parkinson's and updating the fans he said a he said he's very tired of talking about all of it which i can understand it seems to be the topic all the time when he's around right but he said the parkinson's really is something he doesn't think about and that if he doesn't take his medicine he said i might shake a little bit in the morning but it's not really an issue for me he said when people see me struggling today they think parkinson's he said but it's really not the parkinson's he said it all comes from that fall and those surgeries and that the parkinson's really isn't the issue in the slightest and I thought that was very interesting because even myself, I put the Parkinson's as a huge issue in the way he's walking, the way he's looking. But he's like, you know, I've always walked with a limp for many, many years now. He's like, it's, it's nothing new. It's just that I, my back hurts, my neck hurts. And it's more compensating for that than the Parkinson's and that the Parkinson's isn't really an issue. I thought that was kind of an interesting statement from him. Yeah, I would say that it's encouraging in a way because if the surgery yeah. can help him. That's great news. So it's, it's actually really encouraging. And, you know, that video came out, what, about three weeks ago of him walking? That was real painful yeah. to watch. Uh, yeah. And that's obviously has to be from his surgeries because he is he's pretty messed up, guys. If you've not seen that video, it's it's kind of heartbreaking. And I do think that's the video he was referencing about how he walks. And I, I've always had a limp and so on and so forth and kind of walked awkward. You know, I think that's the one he's getting at, the one that was making the rounds there. Yeah, for well, sure. But it's very encouraging that the Parkinson seems to be in control. And there was a little bit of a piece of news that it was it sounded like it was just an interview with, with Sharon and Kelly for whatever reason. And uh, they did say, like we've kind of talked about privately, like it'd be fucking cool if he did like a throne and he was in a chair and like that, you know, did this badass thing. He doesn't want it. If he can't stand up, if he can't be moving around and be himself and what he wants to do, then he just doesn't want to do it. He just wants one more show and it will not be from a chair. I would be cool with seeing him in a chair. We've discussed it on the show. Dan would be cool with it. Ryan, I know you would be cool with it from a standpoint of just him being able to go out there and finish on his own terms. But you do also have to respect, I want to go out doing it right. And in Ozzy's mind, if I can't give it 100%, I'm not going to go out there. There might be nights his voice fails. There might be nights he doesn't feel as well, but he's going to give you everything he's got. And in his mind, I can't do that from a chair. And I do have massive respect for that because it appears that's what they want to do at Power Trip. And Ozzy said no to that. Yeah, and I think I'm coming from it from a different perspective that if it's just for a one-off show, I would not have a problem with it because it's the only way for him to perform. Right. So if he wants to do one more show, he's going to have to do it from a chair because I don't see it happening, guys, right. honestly. Can I give you my, I don't know if I've ever said this on the air, but my theory of what they should do for him. So I think this upcoming summer, they need to book one more OzFest. 
do about 15 dates across the country, maybe one in London, one in, one in Birmingham, maybe have a kick-ass Ozfest lineup like they did in the nineties. At the end of the night, each night you have an Aussie and friends jam with Aussie's band, different people coming up, guests singing, and then Aussie comes out and does four or five songs at the end of the night. And everybody goes home happy. And he goes home happy. I think that'd be an excellent way to end it. Yeah, I would agree with that, but maybe not 15 shows, maybe two. 15 might know. be pushing it. Maybe yeah. or maybe four, maybe two in the States and two in England yeah. or something. Yeah, or, yeah, or exactly. something like that. But, but yeah. 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 Maybe LA, New York, and then, you know, London, Birmingham. But it'd be a chance to say goodbye. He could have Andrew there and just all the guys, you know, yeah. we'd go wherever. But, but yeah, I don't I think, think he could way. do it without sitting. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it. <laughs> Well, it's for hard. four or five songs, he could be, he could do the prop up thing he did at the Birmingham games and all that. He could do something similar to that. Yeah, know, I'm surprised he's not tracks. open to that. You know, yeah. for, for maybe he just can't do it for a whole show. Yeah, it's probably not realistic to be in that position for 80, 90 minutes either. So, yeah. And he did come out and say he's devastated he can't do Power Trip. All his friends are there. Well, Sharon, Sharon and Kelly said it in that same interview that he's, he's devastated that he's not doing Power Trip because all his buddies are there. He must go play with his buddies and yeah. i thought that was kind of heartbreaking too yeah for sure man uh, it's, it's got to happen somewhere or another one more show at least it's got to happen but you know ultimately we all just want to see him happy and healthy and, and and doing better so the cool thing is everybody has said his voice is there it's not a voice issue and i think that was kind of proven on the record patient number nine because he sounds incredible he sounds so much better on patient number nine than he did on ordinary man so you could tell he's improved vocally so his voice is probably actually in great shape because he's not been overseeing on tour for all those years like he has in the past. So he'd probably sound incredible. Well, that is one of the things they mentioned on the podcast was that he has been working with a vocal coach like regularly. So that's part of it, too. Yeah. Well, and on Ordinary Man, you mentioned even on that one album, we've discussed it before in the show. But if you hear the basic album, but then you hear under the graveyard which was the last track cut for that record he sounds better on under the graveyard than he did the other songs on the record so yeah. you can even hear it throughout the progression of that session that his voice was getting stronger and stronger so, yeah the voice is there we just got to get him up on his feet for a little bit and did you guys get the impression he just face planted on the floor thinking he was going on it on his bed yeah well that's what yeah. sharon said on the show she's like you know he didn't break his fall at all with his hands it was straight yeah. down to the neck and, and that's what he was saying on the podcast too he just flopped yeah. straight down on the, on the uh, floor which is insane I mean, how the fuck did you miss? I mean, think about that. I mean, he, uh, that's crazy to me. He missed his bed and just hit face first to the floor. One other thing he said real quick with Billy Morrison on Aussie Speaks before we move on, as Dan and I said on the last week's episode of the No Rest of the Wicked Deep Dive, he said that the album he listens to the most of his own is No More Tears. Yeah. Who told you we were confident that was his favorite album of his own? Dan and I, it confirmed us really quick. So I kind of dug that him saying that there on the show. So pretty cool. I think we, it's pretty clear that he loves that album a lot. Yeah. It's definitely no more tears in blizzard by far. Those are the two. And you can see that from his live sets. And speaking of no more tears, we want to thank everyone. The response on last week's episode has been absolutely amazing. The numbers are through the roof. We're growing day by day, kind of like Dan's pants when he uh, his wife walks by. He grows <laughs> a little bit more each day. <laughs> and we couldn't thank you guys enough, man. Like We are so excited to see the three of us get on here every day and see the numbers. And there's spells where you don't check the numbers at all if they're kind of eh. But once they start going good, man, you can't resist every day, but look at those numbers. And they're just going up and up and up. And we can't thank you guys enough for that. The key is that it's growing a little like, yeah, you know, that's the key. It can only grow so much, you know, 
<laughs> exactly. All right. Are we ready to get into a battle? These are two heavyweights, guys. I mean, two of the best metal records of all time. I, and I don't Yokozuna think, versus Earthquake right here. Back. That's right. I don't think anybody would say that. For me, this is Andre the Giant versus Big John Stud because, you know. Oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'm old. All right. So like what we talked about, we are doing a battle between Black Sabbaths. 1973 classic Sabbath Bloody Sabbath versus 1975's Sabotage. Two all-time greats coming head-to-head in a battle. We're going to have to make a couple of changes, and we move some things around so it's a fair battle instead of just going track by track. So we're going to break that down for you right now so you guys know where we're coming from. So on this record, we're only going to do seven battles. There are eight songs on the album, but Sabotage has two instrumentals. So we are removing the 49-second Don't Start Too Late instrumental from the battle. So with that, we are going to go seven on seven, and we're going to have what Josh does with his wife quite frequently, a threesome at the end of this battle. Here is the battle lineup. We have... And that's Sab- where my pants grow. <laughs> Checking that nine volt. <laughs> exactly. I need to buy some batteries, by the way. Okay, so we're going to go Sabbath Bloody Sabbath versus Hole in the Sky. Then we have the great national acrobat versus symptom of the universe. Then Sabra Cadabra versus megalomania. That is a battle right there. And then we have killing yourself to live versus the thrill of it all. Then we have the instrumentals fluff versus super Tsar. Then the two Aussie pen tracks. Who are you versus am I going insane? And then we have the threesome, which is looking for today spiral architect versus the writ. What do you guys think? Man, a threesome in a battle. How about that? Yeah, that was Josh's idea, ladies uh, and gentlemen. That was a good well, one. we couldn't just leave it out. Am I, you know, it's like either we can battle all three and you choose one, or you just give the nod to the fact that Sabbath Blade Sabbath has one more track, which is kind of fucking awesome. I wish Sabotage had one more track. Agreed. And I just didn't think it would be fair to do looking for today versus don't start too late. Then yeah. you might as I mean, that's not even a battle, right? Everybody agree on that. It would be an easy victory for Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. As cool as Don't Start Too Late it is, it just doesn't warrant being in the battle. All right, let's start it off. We're going to start with Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath versus Hole in the Sky. This could be the toughest battle of them all right out of the gate. And Ryan, because we know this has been such a painful process for you, you're going to start us off, baby. Oh, yeah, this one... uh... Fuck, this one was tough. But I've always always had a really, like Josh, a soft spot for Hole in the Sky. Just something about that track as an opener kind of just jumps right into it. I fucking love it. Ozzy's aggressive as hell. Um, and my issue, as it's always been with Sabbath, Buddy Sabbath, is that I think Ozzy is too fucking high. He's just too high. And I'm probably in a rare camp. I just saw Josh's face. I'm probably on my own on this. I actually kind of prefer the little adjustment that he made on Reunion for the melodies on Sabbath 47. It's a little it's a little less aggressive. It's a little less piercing. Um, it, it's just matter, always been my little issue with that track. Matter of fact, he first did that at the OzFest here in Phoenix because he did Sabbath Bloody Sabbath on that little OzFest tour before Reunion. And oh. he changed his melody up there. So if you guys have that bootleg, it's fantastic. Has Ryan given your oh, final vote? Yeah, yeah. Hole in the okay. sky. Hole in the sky. Okay. Be clear like that. Perfect. All right, Josh. Hit me. Attack! <laughs> Gotta love that, man. Hole in the sky is such a fucking killer opener. That said, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath for me is one of those top five Black Sabbath songs of all time. 
so many fucking great moments in Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath that you cannot count them. It's one of my favorite Tony Omi riffs. Some of my favorite Tony Omi riffs in the midsection of the song. Ozzy is not too high. I will come give you a big elbow drop off the top rope, Macho Man Randy Savage style, but we're saying that. But I do also like the melody change on Reunion. I will give you that. It is awesome. Ozzy just screeching to get those fucking notes. And he just barely gets it. Where can you run to? Oh, fuck. Even me singing it gives me chill bumps. I can't even do it. Love Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, man. All day long. This is definitely a tough one because I go back and forth, to be honest. I actually think Speak of the Devil is the version of Sabbath Bloody Sabbath that I think he sounds the best on personally. But he doesn't do that high part at the end. Well, he never does. He doesn't on uh, Reunion either. But let's just be clear that riff on Sabbath Bloody Sabbath is maybe the most iconic riff outside of Black Sabbath by Tony. You know, it's the one that reinvigorated him. It gave him new life. It was the first time in his career he had writer's block. You know, they were in that haunted castle in Wales and boom, that riff comes out and it changes everything. It is so iconic. I absolutely love the verses of Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, but it's really the chorus that does it for me that nobody will ever let you know when you ask the reasons why part, I think just nudges over Hole in the Sky for me. Even though I love Hole in the Sky, both of these songs are top 10 for me. I'm going to say that a lot this show, guys. I'm just going to be honest. These are my two favorite records. I love them both. Ozzy's raw vocal, like Ryan said, on Hole in the Sky, incredible. So excellent, excellent songs. I think Hole in the Sky is great. But when I compare the two choruses, Hole in the Sky, Take Me to Heaven, Window in Time, Through It I Fly, just quite isn't as good as the no one will ever let you know when you ask the reasons why part. So for me, I'm going to just say by a hair, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath for me is one of those songs that, you know, I think had Ozzy been able to perform this later on in, in Sabbath's career, like in the reunions and stuff, and really do this track in its entirety, it would be right there with War Pigs, I think, among Black Sabbath fandom as one of the, the top Black Sabbath songs of all time. And it kind of is anyway, but the fact that it wasn't able to be performed live for so long, I think kind of notched it down a little bit in the memory of Black Sabbath fans' brain a little bit. You know what I'm saying? It's not one of those classic songs as much for that reason. It's not played live. This is easily on par with War Pigs as an all-time classic Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath is. And when people bitch about Ozzy not singing, I'm going to tell you right now, if you guys have never heard Bruce Dickinson sing this song, it is god-awful. Awful. One of the worst covers I've ever heard in my life, and I'm a huge Maiden fan, but it just goes to show you how iconic Ozzy's voice is. Now, on the other hand, Pantera did a great job on covering Hole in the Sky, and I do believe that give that song a new lease on life later in their career. But unfortunately, it's just not nearly as good as the original. But yeah, Pantera did a great job of covering Hole in the Sky. And real quick to piggyback off, off Josh there with as far as like the reunion and doing tracks live. I don't understand why they didn't keep that version of Sabbath, Buddy Sabbath in the set. It sounded fantastic. I don't think it bugged anybody. It just it just made no sense to me. Like I'm, I'm beyond grateful that it's on reunion. And I cannot fucking wait to get that vinyl. But uh I, I don't understand why I was dropped so early. Matter of fact, on the 13 tour, the guy in front of me the whole night was just, oh, they're going to play Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. I can't, I can't believe they haven't played Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath yet. And I'm thinking, there's no fucking way they're playing Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, right? right? But it's such an iconic song. Even though it hasn't been played so long, it's still one of their most iconic yeah. songs in their catalog. And I agree, Ryan. I mean, the way they played it on Reunion was absolutely fine. And like you said, maybe even your favorite version melodically. But there's nothing wrong. You know, as an aging rocker, you know, you tune down. We talk about this a lot in the show. You tune down. You, the best thing you can do is change the melody to what suits you now. 
and that's the most forgiving way to sing a song forgiving to the fans who are listening and to your voice for trying to, to do it night in and night out but the new version of sabbath bloody sabbath is, they should just carry it on with that i agree with you 100 percent because it sounded great yeah another thing talking about tuning by the way both of these songs are tuned to c sharp so interesting most of these albums are but there is something i figured out that i think is quite ironic about these two records and i'll tell you that coming up when the battle happens all right next up we have national acrobat versus symptom of the universe two powerhouses coming to battle again both of these songs have been covered symptom was covered by sepultura national acrobat was kind of uh, thrown in there on the sabra cadaver cover uh by metallica so josh why don't you start us off where do you stand on national acrobat versus symptom of the universe Oh, yeah. Two classics for sure. So there is one song that has probably been played live by my band more than the songs we have written. And that song is Symptoms of the Universe. We play it every night during a cover medley that we do to close the show. And we do it for two reasons. One, I got a killer drummer who can slay the fucking drums on that song. J.D. Hall, Downtrend, shout out to you, my man. Two, I fucking love Black Sabbath. So for me, he's getting his rocks off doing his little drumming thing. And I'm getting my rocks off playing Black Sabbath every night for 90 seconds or so. So I fucking love playing it. I love National Acrobat. Definitely one of those underrated gems from the Black Sabbath catalog, but it does not stand up in any way, shape, or form to Symptom of the Universe to me. What do you have, Ryan? So it's hard to disagree with anything Josh just said. I mean, I think Symptom is one of the most classic metal anthems of all time for you know, just a multitude of reasons. I, f- I love the, like, the slow little uh, acoustic kind of jam session that it fades out into. But discussing underrated or underappreciated Sabbath songs prior to this. And I think A National Acrobat is one of the most underrated songs in Sabbath's entire catalog. That's going to be my choice. From the first, I, I remember buying this on CD, and I remember this song in particular just like taking me to another place and then just going back, repeat, repeat, repeat. And it still hits that same way all these years later. So A National Acrobat. I'm going to be alone on that one, I'm sure, but that's my uh, choice. Well, Symptom of the Universe is my favorite Black Sabbath song for the most part. That might change later in this episode, by the way, but yeah, that's not even close. This is one of the battles. I think National Acrobat is great. It's amazing. Symptom of the Universe is one of the greatest songs of all time, like way better in my opinion. It's not even close from Billboard's drumming. Lyrically, I love it better. It's one of my favorite lyrics that Geezer has ever penned. One of Ozzy's greatest vocal melodies and vocal performances. I think Everything is better about Symptom of the Universe than the National Acrobat. And it's not a slam on National Acrobat. I think National Acrobat is great. I love that it's got two parts, the, the slow, heavy part, which I believe is written by Geezer musically. Uh, and then that up-tempo, cool little jazzy part that they do. Love the ending. It's almost like a speed metal song before speed metal. Really, really cool. Great drum fill. But, I mean, this is Symptom of the Universe. This is the song Black Sabbath started the, every show with from 1975 on four. It's amazing. You know, it's what starts Speak of the Devil. This is one of the most iconic songs ever with maybe Tony's greatest riff. I actually like the Symptom riff better than the Sabbath Bloody Sabbath riff. That's how much I love Symptom of the Universe. Yeah, that fucking riff is just absolute brutality. This Tony Iommi just encompassed right there. That's that's what makes him so great. And didn't Geezer recently educate us that a national acrobat was about jacking off? Yeah, he did. Which Absolutely. really, I'm still not sure I understand or hear that, but it's, it's okay. Geezer's smarter than I am. So That's so what made that, I, hearing that is why I would have thought you would have picked it, Josh. <laughs> I'm burned out on it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can, t- one. 
I thought it was definitely about a pregnancy or maybe even abortion or something like that. But, you know, I get that part of it, but I was kind of very shocked to hear that, Josh, that it was about mm. jacking off. Crazy. So the interesting thing is both of these songs are tuned to C sharp again. So this is definitely the era where Tony was really tuning down to C sharp. The interesting thing about Symptom, though, is most people play it in standard tuning because Tony plays it on the third fret, which when you're tuned down to C sharp is an E, right, Josh? That is correct. Yeah. So the crazy thing about Symptom of the Universe is, is if you listen to the live version from the, the 78 video and Tony's playing it on the G string, just like he does, he's using a standard guitar. So he's playing it a step and a half higher than what it is on the record, which is why Ozzy is destroying his voice trying to sing it. Yeah. And, you know, I think why he sounds so much better on Speak of the Devil is because they are playing it in actual E, which is what the key of the song really is in. Right. Where, you know, on the original recording, it's in the key of E, but he's playing it on the third fret. And one thing I was going to mention real quick about this whole battle is this, I, and to me, and I think you guys will probably agree, this is Ozzy's greatest era vocally, these two records. Oh, I no question. But like you said, live, they tune these songs up and it taxed his voice so much. I think that's a whole lot to do with what kind of trashed his voice for years to come that he really had to struggle from there on out sometimes vocally was just singing these songs live in a different key. Yeah, for sure. All right. Next up, we have the funky Sabra Cadabra versus the emotional, epic, incredibly heavy Megalomania. Two great songs. We got Rick Wakeman making a guest appearance on Sabra Cadabra, some great piano, some awesome melodies versus the ultimate epic, maybe Sabbath's longest song, if I'm not mistaken, Megalomania. Ryan, why don't you start us off? Oh, this one was. This one was probably the hardest one for me for many, many reasons. It's just that Megalomania was one of the first uh, songs hearing as a really young kid that like scared me. <laughs> There's, you know, being a horror hound and everything that not not much does. Um, but it just, no, it just, it's such an unsettling, chilling, incredible vocal delivery by Ozzy. That it's just menacing and slow build and then just crushes. But Sabra Cadabra, I think, is one of the most incredible and again underrated riffs of tony's entire career i love the kind of the pep and everything i love the energy and all of it. it i still don't even i'm not even content in my choice but i'm gonna go with sabra cadabra and this is where i'm saying what i said in the beginning i feel like i don't i don't know myself anymore but this is just where i'm at i don't know in my life in my mood or whatever and that just I, I, I'm going to say we're good at it, I'm I'm speechless. <laughs> uh, I don't, uh, say. <laughs> I don't even know <laughs> what to say. Uh, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go real quick, Josh. This is probably <laughs> definitely really quick. So I think this might have been the easiest battle for me, honestly. I like Sabracadabra. It's a fun little song. I think it's got some great parts. I like the ending with Ozzy for sure, where he's kind of rapping the lyrics a little bit at the end. You know, the outro is great and there's nothing against it. Great vocals. I like the first part quite a bit better than the second part. The feel so good, I feel so fine part is better than lovely lady part. I don't know how you guys feel, but I think it's it's definitely better. Where Megalomania is haunting, it's gorgeous, it is creepy, it has one of Ozzy's best vocal performances. It has some of the greatest lyrics ever written. That whole, why don't you just get out of my life? Why don't you just leave me alone part? Oh my God, it gives me chills. And then you have that great 
kick-ass Tony riff at the end, which is almost Tony coming in the future. It's that riff is so far ahead of its time that comes in halfway through. You know, the well, I feel something's taking me. I don't know where. It's like a trip into inside a separate mind. Great. It's the lyrics are so good by Geezer, you really feel and the performance by Ozzy even better. You really feel like Ozzy's insane, which is what the song is about. Absolutely megalomania every day, all day. One of the greatest songs ever written. Josh, what do you got? Well, you made me feel like shit. That's for sure. (laughs) Fucker. You ought to feel like shit. Megalomania rules, man. There's like war pigs. Then there's like megalomania. It's like right there. Megalomania by a long shot for me. By a long shot. Saber Cadaver is fine. You mentioned earlier that Pantera doing Hole in the Sky kind of gave it a revival back in the 90s. Well, I think Metallica doing Saber Cadaver did the same thing. I know it's been for people my age. When Metallica covered that song from Sabbath, we were like, whoa, holy shit. Like, it's it's such a deep cut. Like, who, who covers that? And then them throwing a national acrobat in the middle of it. Like, we totally got off on that. Like, it was just awesome that they did it. And it's still awesome that they did it. But that said, when you put these songs head to head, I am absolutely 100% megalomania. Obsessed, 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 oh, obsessed, obsessed with, oh, dude. I, that part alone, I, done, and that midsection, nah, forget about it. When it's when it kicks in, like you said, Tony's ahead of his time. That's a great way of putting it. That section is so friggin' amazing. That might be my favorite moment in Black Sabbath all time. Yeah, I mean, it's right there. It's right there. To be honest, I actually think the first part of the song I, I might enjoy a little better in Megalomania. Mm-hmm. I really like that slow part, man. It's so yeah, I do too. yeah, it's one of the greatest songs ever written. Definitely, again another one that is in my top 10 consideration you know eventually we'll do a top 10 black sabbath but like i said seven of these songs are easily in consideration for being in my top 10 and megalomania is definitely one of them again very tricky little riff i think tony is on fire on sabotage and i know a lot of people think that sabotage is not considered one of their classics like back in the day but i'm i think it's one of their most rocking records dude it fucking i know tony is i don't understand like ozzy talks about I want Sabbath to get back to what they were, right? That's what he talk, That's why he hates technical ecstasy and never say die. But his favorite Sabbath record is Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, which is kind of like a prog masterpiece, yes. which isn't really kind of Sabbathy in parts compared to like the first three records. But to me, Sabotage is kind of a throwback to the first three records. I don't Agreed. know why he doesn't love it. It's because they were getting fucked. Truthfully. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ozzy always we talk about that so often. He always goes back to the time and place and his mood and his at the time. And the mood at the time wasn't good. And that's just all he sees in retrospect. One hundred percent. The album itself is fucking completely slamming. I don't think that's just him either. I think that's a lot of artists who have a lot of stories like that where they just they were in a place whether you know was whether it was professionally personally they have a hard time going back to that time. And the fan base is like, what? You're fucking nuts. But yeah, I think it's, it's a common story, uh, unfortunately. But um, yeah, you're you're 100% correct. Sabotage is more like a culmination of Volume 4, Master, and Paranoid. Like it kind of just, yeah. it's all of those kind of thrown together between the, you know, the epics and the riffs and the, it, it really is. But yeah, it's just, it's just the time. I don't know. It wasn't a great time in his life in any of their lives it's really the beginning of the end right for sure, yeah, for sure. matter of fact geezer just came out today i don't know if you guys saw this and said if there's one thing he could change about black sabbath was that they would have hired lawyers <laughs> from the beginning so they wouldn't <laughs> have got screwed that's the right, one thing he, out of right. anything he could have changed is pretty interesting and you know misery makes good art so if you're unhappy if there's a lot of things you're frustrated about in life turn to your art to let that aggression go too so maybe that's where the law that came from yeah and interesting enough 
you know, this is the biggest break so far the band had up at that point. Obviously, between Volume 4 and Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath was a little bit of a break compared to the first three. But, you know, we go from 73 to 75, which was unheard of back then. So they had time to write this record for sure, even though they were touring a lot, of course. All right. Again, both of those songs tuned to C Sharp. And we're going to continue that trend. Next up is Killing Yourself to Live versus The Thrill of It All, which, of course, the title is from the man, Alistair Crowley, Ozzy's first dabble of dealing with the Alistair Crowley topic, which, of course, is penned by Geezer. These are two great songs. I'm going to have Josh, you start this one. All right. Yeah. Two definite classics. You know, The Thrill of It All was the one that I think, did we not have that number one on our all-time Ozzy vocal performances for Black Sabbath episode way, way, way back when, like episode three or something? I did for sure. Yeah, yeah I think I did sure. also. I had it. Yeah. I don't know if I had it number one, but I had it in my top 10 at least. It was definitely up there. What a freaking behemoth vocally from Ozzy on Thrill of It All. That said, Killing Yourself to Live, an all-time Sabbath classic. Got to go with it. It's always of the groove of that one. A song they played live a lot. Very fun to play on guitar. It's, just, it's a riff, but it's not like a big chuggy riff. There's so many great parts in that song also. It really sets the scene of mid-70s Black Sabbath for me. Killing Yourself to Live is kind of a, a staple, a track I look to for what they sounded like at that time and space. So, Killing Yourself to Live for me. What do you have, Ryan? I agree in the in the in the time and space, and I'm actually kind of realizing this about myself as this episode is unfolding, and I'm listening to you guys talk about sabotage, and then I'm, I guess I'm just in a different place mentally than I was when when these albums first became came into my life, because I think 20 years ago I probably would have picked sabotage songs every single time. I don't know. I'm just. I guess I'm just in a different space mentally. I'm in a different. Um, my tastes are different at the moment. So I'm. I'm trying to kind of give an explanation why I'm answering why I'm answering because I'm like I shocked myself in the process of this. I don't know. I guess this has turned into an unexpected therapy session for me. I don't have much to add to this battle other than I have to go with killing yourself to live too because again it's a time and, and place thing and i think it's a kind of a perfect bow around where sabbath was at this time and it kind of encapsulates uh this album really well yeah so this is the other one in the battle for me that's not even close even though i had thrill of it all as my favorite aussie performance the song doesn't even come close to stacking up against killing yourself to live killing yourself to live is one of the greatest Black Sabbath songs. At one point, it was a top five song for me. It could still be, again, another one that is in heavy consideration for my top 10. And I think it's one of Ozzy's best songs vocally as well. I love the lyrics. I've loved the song even from the live at last version with where Ozzy's just riffing lyrics off the top of his head. I just got to say, you know, the, I'm telling you, believe in me, nobody else will tell you. One of the greatest moments in Ozzy history, right? Wouldn't you guys agree? Uh, absolutely fucking fantastic. Incredible. Yeah, oh, yeah that, no that, doubt about it. That gives me chills, that part, every time. And then you got the fun smoke at Get High. A lot of changes. You know, one of the things that I've really noticed about these two records that I like so much better about the early material is, it's going to surprise you, but if you go back and listen to some early Sabbath, Ozzy has one melody. Like, Furries Were Boots, I think he's just got one melody the whole song. Right, yeah. You know, or that he has two tops. But by the time he got here, these songs now have a lot more movements you got four, five, three, four, five melodies going on. And I think yeah. it, that's why I like these songs so much better is Ozzy had a much better chance to grow as a singer. And I don't think people really give him enough credit, obviously. But both of these songs, because Thrill It All is great. That inclination of direction, that part is fucking phenomenal. 
one of the greatest riffs Tony's written. It's so heavy. That little, yeah, right by yeah. Ozzy at the beginning. Now Those that works. That he adds yeah, in years. so good. And that, that you know, so way better than the, uh, from fucking, uh, I, I don't want to change the world. Get out of here. <laughs> you know, but I like the first half of Thrill of It All considerably better than, well, that's my story. I'm sticking to it part. So that's why Killing Yourself to Live gets the nod. Nothing against Thrill of It All. I think it's awesome. But for me, Killing Yourself to Live, way up there in the Sabbath canon, which I think this could be their most underrated song, Josh. I don't think it gets talked to enough. Yeah, it's definitely in the conversation. One thing I want to go back to that you mentioned that I enjoyed a second ago was how later on in Sabbath, they started changing the the tempos, changing the melodies in mid-song. Ozzy would sing this melody, change the melody. Tony would change parts. When you go back and really look at it, that kind of began with War Pigs, right? That was the earliest song that really did that. Hand and of Doom is a big one, too. Hand of Doom. Okay, yeah. Hand of Doom does it a lot. Same era as War Pigs. Yeah. But then it's like, when you look back at it now, all these years later, that turned into what we know and love so much about Black Sabbath, right? Like, there's songs before that that we love. Fairs Boots is a great example that you mentioned a minute ago. When you go back to Black Sabbath, like, before 13 came out, we all was like, oh, we need some epics like War Pigs. In Hand of Doom, we need those kind of epics back in our life again. And that I think that kind of became Sabbath's calling card. Changing tempos mid-song, changing yeah. melodies mid-song. And that's the stuff that makes us jack off. Yeah, we call them movements, right? Not choruses or nothing. They're just different movements within the song. Yeah. It's amazing. Sorry, just to interject here real quick. I think it started with Snowblind. But I think Sabbath, Body Sabbath as in its entirety was Ozzy's coming out party. As like a true like melody writer. I mean, I, he did many, many phenomenal ones in all the albums previous. But this album, I think, kind of cemented who he was going to be for the next 40 years in his career. That's a great point. And he's not following the riff at all anymore, really, by this point. It's like you've done great ones before, but now you, it's like you're just settling in on your space, right? This is This is where I want to be and go from there. Interesting. Thrill of it all, by the way, is tuned to E where Killing Yourself to Live is tuned to C-sharp. So we have the first song tuned to E, which is actually quite shocking. Yeah, interesting enough. I love these two songs, but this is our first sweep, boys. Because Ryan E, Ozzy delivers what we consider maybe his greatest vocal performance of all time. Yeah, right. At least in Sabbath, right? So that's interesting, too. Interesting. We all know E and E flat, I think, is pretty damn good for Ozzy. Yep. So that's our first sweep. Josh and I had been on par, and Ryan, you have not been on par with us once. It's the first time. Dude, so, not at all. And I, yeah. I, I think I'm going to be 38 here in a couple of weeks, and I think that's really like, I'm just I'm just a fucking different person now. And like, yeah, as I, think I really- we all are, though. I think yeah. eventually, when you're my age and old again, you're going to go flip-flop back to sabotage. Yeah, and maybe that's what <laughs> it is, because like I said, 20 years ago, it would have been like, what's the fu- which one's the fucking heaviest? And that's, that's what I would have picked, and that's just not- it's not where I'm at right now. So it's, I'm going to be the one that probably continues to disappoint you guys. <laughs> that also speaks to the strength of the songs, man. That all these years later, they can affect you in different ways. You've been listening to them for 30 years, but rather than being tired of them or worn out on them or burned out, they just strike you differently and you like Definitely. them even more than you did before. And that's what great music does, man. And that's what this is. This, these are, these are all, look, let's be clear. We say every episode, we love them all. We love these songs, man, with everything in us. And that's what makes them fucking great, that they get even better with time. Yeah, no question. All right, up next, we're going to take a little bit of a left turn and do the instrumental battle. So on one hand, we have Fluff, the beautiful acoustic composition by Tony Iommi versus Super Tsar, which is kind of a really heavy operatic tune, which is way ahead of its time. All right, so I'll start this one. This is a tough battle. Actually, 
we joke, but this was the toughest battle for me out of the whole bunch. And I don't know why, but there's parts of both of these songs that I love. And there's parts of both of these songs that I don't love, which is quite weird. I think fluff might be one of the most beautiful pieces of music ever created. And I think if fluff was one minute, this would be a slaughter, but unfortunately fluff is four minutes and it just overstays its welcome by a long shot. And then you have Super Tsar, which kind of has a Slayer riff to it. If you guys really break mm -hmm. down that guitar riff, it's like Slayer South of Heaven 10 years before South of Heaven was ever written. And it is so eerie and creepy. And uh, you obviously have like the pre-dire of a Madman Choir part. There is one little part of Super Tsar I don't like when they go to the halftime and they do the key change. I wish that wasn't in there. But when it comes out of that, back to the main riff and then finally three minutes into the song geezer comes back in and they're doing that little shuffle on the on the snare it's so goddamn cool so for that i'm going to give Supitzar just a hair only because of it, the changes it has and that it has a little bit more dynamic and you know geezer and bill are a little bit more involved in it i do think fluff is prettier and if fluff was shorter it would probably be my favorite black sabbath instrumental but unfortunately, I think it just overstays its welcome. So I'm going to give Super Tsar and also open their concerts, which is a little nostalgic for me, obviously, from 75 on, which is pretty cool. What a cool opening intro. And that opera part is awesome. It's so ahead. It's like European power metal, man, with a Slayer riff. Super Tsar doesn't get the love it deserves. All right, Ryan, what do you got? Well, in the inverse of everything I've said so far in this episode, I don't have a whole lot to add to the the context of the of the tracks themselves other than yeah fluff is too long but superstar is just it's perfection the whole operatic piece throughout is amazing and i think to what you just said it's a phenomenal concert opener i think they completely dropped the ball in never doing that in their union years how did at no point did they not come out to that song agreed but that is my choice superstar Hey, there we go. What do you got, Josh? Dan, there's not a whole lot more that any of us can add than what you've already said. You nailed it. Dildo, word for word. You know, Superstar for me is easily the choice here. Fluff is gorgeous, but like you said, way too long. It is beautiful. But Superstar is like just a composition, dude. It's like Johann Sebastian Bach or something. You know, like where do these guys come up with this shit at? In the middle of writing the greatest Black Sabbath album of all time, in my opinion. It doesn't mean it's going to win the battle because the battles can be different sometimes. But this song comes out of nowhere. And like you said, perfect for the concert opener. Like you said, Ryan, they totally should have done it on the reunions. Don't know why they never thought to do that. It was amazing. And bleeding into something the universe with it is perfection. This is, you can't top it. Dan, there's really nothing more I can add than what you've already said. You you nailed every word of that, man. It's fucking gorgeous, man. It's I love it. Super sorry for me. There it is. Another sweep, ladies and gentlemen. Awesome. It is such an iconic song, man. It doesn't get the love it deserves, quite frankly. I don't think I realized how heavy Super Tsar was. It's until fucking recently. heavy as hell and creepy it as is, hell. It it's, is creepy as hell. It's a brutal song, yeah. man. I'm telling you, it is Slayer before Slayer. It really is. Again, both songs are too and then, the E. You know, like you said, like the chant in the march. Best part of the song. Oh, yeah. When he kicks into that, dude, you're like, yeah. this is bad as hell. And, and, and that's you, when Geezer comes in, I believe. Yes. It, and it you just, picture awesome. you know, soldiers just marching down a field or something or just marching. You know, just, it's just so fucking cool, man. Ozzy hated it, by the way. <laughs> I don't know how you hate that song. I don't either. Like, that, yeah. that would be the one, like, Sabbath song that Randy Rhodes probably would have loved, you know? Right. Probably never heard it. Probably never heard that one, but yeah. he loved it. 
All right. Up next, we have the two penned songs by Ozzy Osbourne for Black Sabbath. And when we say penned, we mean music, lyrics, melodies, the whole thing. Obviously, Tony and the band added shit to it, but Ozzy penned these both on a keyboard. And you can clearly hear that on both songs. And that is the doomy as fuck. Who are you? Which when you play that riff on the guitar is as evil as black fucking Sabbath, the song versus the ultra poppy. Am I going insane? Which I know a lot of people dislike for some reason, probably because Ozzy wrote it, but it is actually really catchy and kind of a precursor to his solo career, battling it out. And again, two excellent songs that Ozzy has penned. Interestingly enough, that these songs are both written in E. And that's kind of what I want to talk about why I've been talking about this, because a lot of this is C-sharp, C-sharp, C-sharp. Ozzy, left to his own device, pens these two songs tuning to E. So I, yeah. I, I find that kind of interesting. Not in the key of E and the tuning of E. Yeah, All right. 440. Yeah, yeah, 440, exactly. So Josh, why don't you start us off? I've never played Who Are You on guitars. So I might need to go do that and kind of give it a good listen. Dan, it's and see really what easy, dude. There. Well, yeah, it sounds like yeah. a simple, and he's just on the keyboard and just kind of messing around, obviously, and comes up with a cool melody and just kind of goes with it. But that said, this one for me is very easy. Am I going to say it's a classic for me in Black Sabbath lore? My first Black Sabbath record was We Sold Our Souls for Rock and Roll, and Am I Going to Sing was on that. I guess it's because I kind of grew up with it a little bit, but I've always loved this song. Love Ozzy's melodies, love how fun it is. I thought it had a creepy thing to it. And people laughing at the end and just all the different voices and, and your classic Aussie nature. But before the classic Aussie nature, you know what I mean? It was the precursor of the solo career, like you said, in, in so many ways. Am I going insane for me? Long shot on this one. Wow. Okay. What do you got, Ryan? So neither one of these are anywhere near the top of my uh, list, for sure. Just like Josh, my first album for Sabbath was uh, Solar Souls for Rock and Roll. So I was introduced to much earlier i find who are you just very monotonous it doesn't really go anywhere enough vocally for me it's interesting that it's an ozzy pen track and then like it's probably his most subtle uh, outside of like planet caravan but it's probably his most just like reserved unadventurous vocal melody and in his career really so that who are you just has never done anything for me no it's generally a skipper so i'm gonna go with am i going insane radio all right and everybody needs to understand that is not have anything to do with the radio edit mental radio was the thing they used to say back in england about being insane this is shocking but this is the one i'm gonna be the odd man out i think who are you is incredible it's got an incredible melody i'm gonna disagree big time ryan I think it's very emotional and you can just feel the emotion coming off of the record player when Ozzy sings it. it. Like, you know, yes, I know the secret that's within your mind. Oh my God, I get chills just thinking about it. It is very simple. It reminds me a lot of the song Black Sabbath. If you played this, if the band played it on guitar instead of keyboard, it'd be very reminiscent of the Black Sabbath track, Just Cast Our Souls Into the Dust. I think the lyrics are a little bit more thought provoking here than, than Am I Going Insane. I think Am I Going Insane is a fine song. Ozzy does a great job on both of these. I really like that opening guitar lick that follows the keyboard part at the beginning of Am I Going Insane. I think the reason I don't vote for Am I Going Insane, I do think the chorus is a little bit over the top and can be a little annoying at times. You know, that tell me people, Am I Going Insane, Insane. 
little overbearing for me at times where I think who are you is more subtle. It's beautiful and haunting at the same time. And I, I definitely think who are you is the stronger song. Oddly, that's kind of what I like about Am I Going Insane? Beautiful and haunting at the same time. You know, like I really hear and feel the vibe of Am I Losing My Mind in this kind of fun song. It's uh, almost like no bone movies, but a vibe of I'm losing my mind rather than having sex. You know, it's kind of like it's it's fun, but serious nature. That, and, I, and I get the vibe of that and that also. So same but different. Yeah, I love the way it goes into the writ. It's Lewis crying, slow down. It's eerie as shit. Oh, it's It's perfect. awesome. It and is we, the great segue to the writ. No question yes, about it. Yes, yes. And we talked so much moments. about that on the show, you know, how track placement on the album means so much. And that no bigger place to state it than those two songs right there bleeding together. Yeah, uh, amazing. And I like Am I Going Insane? I really do. But I just think Who Are You is just a tad bit better today. Ryan don't like over the mountain. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. It's okay. <laughs> That's oh a my. good point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that brings us, we're going to do a tally real quick before we get to the last three way. So right now we have Ryan, you're actually three to three. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Ryan right now is three to three. This will be the tiebreaker. Josh, you are four to two sabotage. Sounds about right. I am three to three. Even just like Ryan, we got there in a different way. But it is three to three. Yeah. So this will be my tiebreaker as well. So Josh, we already know you you've got your winner already. So which is pretty cool. We are doing a three-way looking for today versus spiral architect versus the writ. Now I'm gonna tell you right now, two of these songs are in my top five. And one of them is my new favorite Black Sabbath song after all these years has finally moved into the one spot. This is an incredible battle and I'll be honest, this is probably the most fun battle for me, even though it wasn't the hardest. It's definitely fun. I'm going to have Josh start us since we already know kind of where you are on the album battle. Well, you know, I mentioned earlier that just because you prefer one album over the other in your mind, it doesn't mean when you battle them, it plays out the same. It changes sometimes because of the matchups, right? So that said, still ahead with Sabotage, I'll take that because Sabotage is my favorite Black Sabbath album. The three-way, these are three absolute behemoths in my mind. Like, these are three songs that, in Black Sabbath lore for me, stand. Thank you, somebody's top ten. Th these could be three of my top ten Black Sabbath songs. Probably not. Probably more like top 15, but still three that I really, truly love. And just earlier today on my drive home, I messaged the guys and sent them a picture of me jamming out to Looking For Today. And I quoted it and said, is this Black Sabbath's most underrated song? fucking love looking for today man love everything about it love the melodies love the, the energy of it love that it's a little bit uh, like poppy and it, it ain't so heavy and that's kind of what i love about it love all three of these tracks but man the writ is the writ and that is black sabbath incarnate in my mind i want nothing else from black sabbath if i had a full album of those tracks i would listen to it on repeat everything about that song you know, love the, the vocals, you know, I, I'm sure Dan's going to mention in a minute, written by Ozzy Osbourne. There's moments in there where I think Geezer definitely pitched in and helped a touch. Shock uh, troopers. Yeah, there, there's, there's some <laughs> yeah. moments where you go, okay, now Ozzy didn't write that. But, you know, Dan, you wrote, I want to discuss this with you. I was thinking about it on the way home. You and I have both wrote, you know, written a lot of songs. There's a lot of times you'll help a buddy or a band member out. It don't mean you necessarily want credit for helping him out. So if we say Ozzy wrote the lyrics to this song, it doesn't mean he wrote every single word. It doesn't mean Geezer didn't help out. It just means Ozzy wrote the heavy majority and Geezer was more or less like, hey, that one's Ozzy's. And, that, and that's yeah. okay. You know, yeah, it happens in a band. Well, Lennon and McCartney are the perfect example of that. 
right? They would bring in their lyric and then one of them would change a lyric here and there to make the song even better. Yeah. yeah. And it's okay. Or, or, Hey geese, I got the majority of this song, but there's this section I'm struggling with and geezer puts his poetry on there, which, you know, you can hear the sections where I don't believe it's Oz. It's not, it's pretty, when you read the lyrics, you kind of know the ones where it starts getting a little bit more sophisticated and then kind of that comes back down. But again, written about the attorneys at the time, how screwed over they were. They were pissed off in this era. We've discussed it a lot in this episode. They were so pissed off with the attorneys and I love where it's coming from. And I think Ozzy truly wrote from his gut with this one. My pick for this battle is easily the writ. As much as I love all three of these tracks, the writ for me is tops for Black Sabbath. It's easily one of my favorite Black Sabbath songs. Yeah, great choice. So I'll go now and I'm just going to talk about all three songs real quick. And this is a fun battle because I agree. Looking for today, you and I talked Black Sabbath is back touring. We thought he could have sang this one live. Josh, remember? Yes. That that we felt like this one could have made the set, you know, instead of the looking for today, you know, he could have kept it down instead and just pitch it down. I think he could have easily done this song. It's a fun ass song. It has got a great riff. Again, I really like the segue between who are you into looking for today? I think because who of you is so doomy and desolate. And then all of a sudden flips a switch. And all of a sudden we're in this really up-tempo fun track. And I think this is kind of, I always consider looking for today, Sabbath, bloody Sabbath's younger brother or sister, because it's got that heavy verse, but it's got that mellow chorus. Everyone mm-hmm. just gets on top of you. The, the pain begins yeah. to eat your pride. You know, it's kind of like Sabbath, bloody Sabbath. Pride. I fucking love yeah. the way he phrases that word, man. It's oh, so good. Love it. Love it. Amazing. And that part is incredible. I absolutely love it. Let's switch over to Spiral Architect. I think, obviously, Bill Ward was really heavy in bringing this one in live when they reformed. He, that was his choice to bring back into the set, which was obviously played in in the 70s as well. When you first saw the set list for Reunion and saw Spiral Architects on there, was what was your initial, like, holy shit? I know My I most was. anticipated track. Dirty Women for me was my most anticipated at the time, to be totally honest. But the Spiral Not Architects was the, was the biggest shock. It was like, oh my goodness gracious, are you kidding me? And they nailed it. Like, absolutely nailed it. I actually have him doing it on a couple of bootlegs from the, the modern era, and he sounds great on him. Absolutely great. Yeah. Ozzy really does great job live. So Spiral Architect is one of my favorite lyrics ever by Geezer. I think Ozzy's performance on this song is incredible. I would be shocked if this wasn't in my top 10 Ozzy vocal performances. I think it's one of his greatest. You know, his harmonies are fucking sick on this song. He is so high on his harmonies, man. It gives me chills. One of his best performances of all time. I love everything about it. I think it's one of Geezer's most intelligent lyrics and absolutely in my top five favorite Black Sabbath songs. And then we have the fucking writ from Sabotage. I'm going to just tell you right now, this is my new favorite Black Sabbath song. Josh, I don't know if we're, what's going on today, but we're back in love, baby. You know, we're <laughs> so much on the same wavelength. If I had to pick a Black Sabbath song, this is what I want out of my Black Sabbath. On the way home from work, I was jamming, looking for today so fucking loud in my truck. Windows down, and I'm, Day! it's so fun to play that song. Yeah. And there's not many, how many courses can you name in music history that literally repeats three words over and over, but you love more than looking for today. Like no more tears. Love it. And I, right. Well, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah. That's, just, <laughs> that's about it. Screaming it the whole way home. Looking yeah. for today. It's you know, awesome. just rocking. But man, the writ. It's the writ, dude. It's the writ. It's All the right. writ. 
just yeah. that intro, right? With the bass. And when the guitars come in, it's so simple. He's, you know, tuned to C sharp. I think he's playing a C to D. Boom. boom. Ozzy. And like you said, the baby crying turning into the demon uh, screaming. The, the, the demon, I wouldn't say scream, but the, the squeal of that. It's just so fucking scary. And this is such an Ozzy lyric. Matter of fact, he he reuses this lyric, solo his solo career. But the way I feel is the way I am. I wish I'd walked before I started to run to you. And the way he says run, that's the that's the word for me. You know, you mentioned it in was it looking for today that you like the word, but for me, the way he says run, it's just it's so damn good, man. It's incredible. And it's so emotional. I'll be honest, guys, that I think this song is the epitome of what I want from a Black Sabbath song. It's got all of these different movements. It's got incredible music. And the emotion that Ozzy sings with is unparalleled, maybe in his career. And I'll say this, when I'm depressed and I'm down and I was going through some maybe depressive struggles earlier this year, this is the song I'd come to that would kind of get me out of it. A smiling face that means the world to me so tired of sadness and misery, right? I mean, I, I hate to say that, you know, not to get too personal, but this song has saved my life over and over and over again. My life had started some time ago where it will end. I don't know. I thought I was so good. I thought I was smart. I feel my world being torn apart, but everything is going to work out fine. Cause if it don't, I think I'll lose my mind. Maybe one of my favorite moments in music history. Like I said, this one is personal to me and it's great musically, but this is everything I want in a Black Sabbath song. Sorry to ramble. It is the writ. All right, Ryan, what do you got? Well, I don't have a whole lot of to add that you guys haven't just fucking wrote a, a book about, especially you, Dan. That was sorry. that was awesome. No, not a, don't don't be sorry. That was that was awesome. And you got me thinking about my choice now. <laughs> I do. I do love the writ. It is just one of the heaviest songs ever written. I'd put the I put Ozzy's vocal performance on that song up against anyone, anyone, and then unfortunately it's a song that I think is a little bit buried in their career. Like if you, like if you're a Sabbath aficionado, we all know it. It's just one that just is never going to get the praise that it truly deserves. Looking for today, I think has one of the greatest choruses of Ozzy's career. But just he sounds incredible and i agree completely that that could have easily been one that they pulled off i do think to what we discussed earlier about sabbath buddy sabbath and maybe this kind of harkens back a little bit to like ozzy won't sit in a chair i do think he has like a mental block of i can't do it the way that it was done like i'm just not gonna do it whether there's any truth to that i don't know but maybe that's where he just he did do that key change for sabbath buddy sabbath and he could have done it several more times on several other songs, but I, I just don't think maybe mentally that was something he was willing to do. I don't know if I'm onto anything there, but I think it, there's, there's probably some truth to truth to that. So now leading into Spiral Architect was absolutely the song that I was looking forward to listening to the most on Reunion. It might be my favorite of that album. It's just one that I revisit a ton. They nailed it. From beginning to end, Ozzy sounds incredible. I've heard a ton of those bootlegs too, different versions of of him doing that. And he and yeah, he did. He always nailed it. I look at that as like a like a prog just masterpiece. And again, this is just where I'm at mentally at this this point in my life. I guess I'm gonna pick Spiral Architect. It's just so different. 
I love the strings. I love the way it ends with the little like round of applause. It's just kind of just this perfect end cap to a pretty much perfect album. So yeah, I'm gonna be the odd man out again, and I'm gonna go Spiral Architect. No, it's a great choice, and I'm gonna be perfectly honest. If this was a year ago, I pick Spiral Architect. I swear to God, I, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, it's just it, where I am today, and a year from yeah. now, I might be raging about whatever and it's the writ every time (laughs) well the writ is i think it's a song that dan and i have pumped each other up with also like we talk about that song a lot the the two of us and always have and let's just be clear too this threesome right here this three-way battle we got going these are three like i said earlier they're behemoths man all three of these tracks are fucking classic awesome black sabbath you know, in my head right now, looking for today is the one that keeps going through my head as we're sitting here discussing it. You know, just that course. And again, three words that are so repetitive, but so fucking amazing. Spiral City, Spiral Architects, same thing. I build, you pay. So it's, good. It's, it's, there's so many great moments in these three songs. I'm just kind of like Dan. I'm just over the moon with the writ. So it kind of made it an easy choice for me. Right. But that doesn't mean the other two options were shit. These are three great tracks, man. My favorite battle by far. The whole album, this was my favorite battle. I should mention Will Malone does the orchestration for both of these records. Main reason I say that is he obviously was brought back for Ordinary Man, which I think is awesome. So very cool. really cool that Will Malone did the orchestration for Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath and Sabotage and then was brought back for Ordinary Man. All right. So to do a brief recap, here are the final results from our battle. First up, we had Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath versus Hole in the Sky, where Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath won. We had a National Acrobat versus Symptom of the Universe, Symptom of the Universe 1. Then we had Sabercadabra versus Megalomania, where Megalomania won. So right now we have it 2-1, to one, Sabotage. Next up, we have Killing Yourself to Live versus The Thrill of It All. Killing Yourself to Live was the victor. Then we have Who Are You versus Am I Going Insane. And Am I Going Insane pulls it out. And we also have Fluff versus Super Tsar where Super Tsar takes home the prize. And finally, we have Spiral Architect, Looking for Today, and The Writ, all in a three-way battle where The Writ wins. So again, the final tally is Sabotage 5, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath 2. So before we get going, this is one I'm going to throw at you, left field. We didn't even talk about it, but we have done this in battles in the past. Let's go right now and debate which album cover you prefer. So, Ryan, you go first. <laughs> what album cover do you prefer? Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, that incredible satanic picture, which is awesome, versus the very artsy-fartsy mirrored sabotage. <laughs> I mean, I guess the artistic you know, side of me is going to go Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. There's just there's so much to that. There's so much to unpack. It's like the ultimate like antichrist like kind of the you know, thematic piece yeah. that's probably ever been out there on like a large scale that there wasn't like an incredible amount of controversy around at the time. If there was, I'm unfamiliar with it. Shocks the hell out of me, especially given the time that it was put out. I mean, you could say just as well today, but back then, I mean, it's, it's some pretty intense imagery. I fucking love it. But there's also something that I I do kind of have a soft spot for sabotage just because it's so you know, ridiculous and the story of it is hilarious. The whole flipping through my vinyl and stuff like that and just the just everything about it. They were unprepared they're in their underwear, like wearing each other's clothes. It's so ridiculous. So aesthetically, I'm gonna go Sabbath, Buddy Sabbath, but for just pure 
entertainment sabotage. <laughs> what do you got, Josh? Yeah, I have two answers to this, and I apologize. I know that's kind of cheating, but it's I, of the two, I prefer sabotage. People make fun of sabotage's album cover, and I do realize it's goofy with them, like said, wearing Bill's clothes and whatever. All you know, I get it. But I actually always really like the album cover where they're standing in front of a mirror, but you see the opposite of the mirror. It's, it's, you don't see their backs, you see their fronts again. I actually always thought it was cool as shit. I like that album cover. Ozzy in the kimono. I'm a, if the boot's on, I'm a big fan of that look. Actually, I thought he could have rocked that on stage and it'd been fucking awesome, personally. That's just my opinion. Tony sitting down being the oddballs. He always kind of was a little bit. I, I just I love the album cover for Sabotage. So I choose Sabotage. That said, going back to Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, I love how the front cover looked like hell and the back cover looked yeah, like heaven that's what that I was, was mention. so fucking cool wasn't it you got black and reds and oranges on the front and on the back side you got white and blue it was peaceful yeah. i and somebody's like lifting them right it's it's yeah it's so awesome so while i prefer the cover for sabotage i love the package of sabbath bloody sabbath so I, i'm pretty much exactly spot on josh to me sabotage it's probably my favorite Black Sabbath album cover just because of how crazy it is. It's the only album cover with all four on it, which I love. I think that sets it apart. Obviously, Volume 4 is so iconic, too. I love the fact that you're looking in the mirror, but you see the front both ways. Yeah. And I, I just think it's so brilliant. And Geezer's got the fucking cane and Tony's sitting cross-legged on the front. Who the fuck knows what Geezer and Ozzy's wearing? I was always, as a kid, just enthralled by the cover of Sabotage. Yeah. And I think it's cool. You flip it over and you get the reverse of them, and it's the reverse in the mirror. I think it's just really yeah. cool. But I agree with both of you. The concept of Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, of the heaven and hell, front and back, just genius. So and cool. I agree, Ryan. I can't believe they didn't get more shit back in 1973 for that. You know, maybe because The Exorcist was just out and that was just kind of in the mainstream, but and with the bed and so on and so forth. Yeah, mm -hmm. that it's just such a creepy fucking cover. You know, I kind of nicked the idea of Sabotage's cover on one of my band's records. It was an EP called Four. And what I did was I just had a giant four with the downtrend across the middle and you could see it. But in the background, you could see backwards the back cover. Like you would, So if you're looking at the four from the front, you would see the back cover behind the four and the downtrend. But if you flipped it around and you can see the song titles and stuff, but then behind it, you would see the backside of the four and the downtrend. Yeah, that's so cool. I kind of, and, and I nicked that idea strictly from Sabotage. That's where they came from, that idea. All right. So we are going to do now our top seven songs combined, like what we would consider the ultimate album if you combine these records, which I think when I look at my list personally, this album would rival Diary of a Madman for the best album of all time. That's how good these records are. It's pretty interesting. So we'll go around the room. I'll start. I'll say the first song and then we'll just go from there. So again, we're only going to do seven songs since we did seven battles. So for me, my iconic opening is still going to be Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. What do you got, Ryan? I'm going to stick with my choice and my opener is going to be Hole in the Sky. Josh? Oh, my opener, I'm throwing Super Czar in there, and I'm going into Symptom of the Universe, man. All in one track. Wow. Just like the live tours after that. Super Czar into Symptoms of the Universe. So I got eight on mine. I'm a cheater. All right. We'll let you cheat. All right. I'm shocked you guys don't start with Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, man. That's kind of cool. I'm not expecting real hard about it. So my second track is Symptom of the Universe. So we go from Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath right into Symptom of the Universe. What do you got, Ryan? My second track is going to be Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. I love that, like, hard, unexpected stop of Hole in the Sky directly in that fucking badass Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath riff. Yeah, cool. And I'm sliding from Symptom of the Universe into Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. So, yeah, <laughs> we're on awesome. far with each other. Yeah. 
So I guess in the old age here, this track would be the end of side one for me, and that would be Megalomania. Ryan? Uh, I'm going to keep the sequence going here, and after Sabbath, what I Sabbath, I'm going to go National Acrobat. Once again, me and Dan are on par. So I'm sliding out of symptoms into Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. And then I'm going to slow it down a touch with a little megalomania. Yeah. We actually have the same tracks on our side one, Josh. Just a yeah. little bit reversed. That's cool. So my track side two is going to open up with Killing Yourself to Live. What do you got, Ryan? So we're kind of in the same headspace here, only because I looked at this track as closing side one, and I picked megalomania. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. My side two opens up with Hole in the Sky. It is a nice. killer album, Ryan. My fifth track is going to be Hole in the Sky. What do you got, Ryan? What I looked at is opening my side two, technically, is Sabracadabra. Nice Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. What do you got, Josh? Next step for me is Looking for Today. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Next up for me is Spiral Architect. What do you have, Ryan? That would be track six. My track six is going to be Killing Yourself to Live. Track six for me is where the wonderful The Writ comes into play. All right. So to end the album for me, Shocker, is going to be The Writ. Something tells me that Ryan and I have the same closer because it's the perfect fucking closer, isn't it, Ryan? No. Yeah, Yeah, it is. My... my closer is going to be symptom of the universe. Oh my god! Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to have little, that on there. So that yeah, acoustic outro that just like kind of fades out and develop them. Okay, okay. I thought you were going with me on Spiral Architects to close the album because of the awesome bow ending of you know the fade out and the applause and then you know the reprise. You mentioned that earlier during the battle. I love that it also, and I think that'd be a great way to end the album. So that ends my album. You and I had six of the same seven choices were the same. The only difference was you did not have killing yourself to live. And I did not have looking for today. So very, very close. I had a four to three sabotage, just like my battle. And what about you, Ryan? What was your final count for your album? Uh, It was four to three. Sabbath, bloody Sabbath. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I am four to three sabotage, which I think is Uh, how the battle played out. What was the battles? Yeah. So here are the battle results. Ryan, you were four to three Sabbath, bloody Sabbath. Josh, you were five to two sabotage, and I was four to three sabotage. So if then I'm four to three in the actual album listing, that means I like Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath a little more than it looked like during the battle. Yeah. Well, they're the two greatest records. I could have went shit. Some days I could go six to one sabotage, and some days I can go four to three Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. So it just depends kind of what I'm feeling. This was awesome, man. Thank you, guys. I'm glad the fans absolutely pick this battle because this is one i've been wanting to do for a long time my two favorite sabbath records what do you guys think you happy with your choices yeah i think i can live with it man and, and thank you guys for reaching out and voting you know i really thought we were going to be doing blizzard of Oz versus diary of a madman i was preparing for it and the fans threw us a curveball and voted for black sabbath i think they, they spoke they wanted a little more sabbath in their lives and we're glad we bring it to you and had a good time doing this with you guys man i love these records it's fun to go back and revisit them and the funny thing about recording these shows that you fans don't realize is, is the three of us will be listening to these two albums for the next two weeks now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think I shocked myself as much as the, I might have shocked you guys. So these, these choices could change in a year. But for right now, this is Sabbath. Bloody Sabbath is my go-to. I guess I'm in that just that more proggy mood. There were years where Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath might have been my favorite record by Sabbath. And right now it's Sabotage. It was early on, too, for some reason. When I first got into Black Sabbath, Sabotage was definitely the record that spoke to me the most. 
and still does 40 some odd years mm-hmm. later. I love them. You know, I know we all love them all, but Sabotage, I just don't know that I'll ever, it'll ever be top for me with Black Sabbath. There's just something about this album that just, it just like you said, touches me to the same way, man. Just, it doesn't let up. There's no let up. The eye-opening thing for me is the writ is definitely the song I go to. There's two songs and I won't tell you the other one because eventually we'll talk about it, but the writ is one of them and this other song is the other one. They're clearly the two most listened to Black Sabbath songs for me. But that's what made me realize the writ is definitely my favorite Black Sabbath song for the reasons I talked about. And that was a real cool experience for me to, to learn this week. So listeners, let us know what is your pick for battle. Throw your actual battle performances underneath so we can see who's winning. Instead of just saying Sabotage or Sabbath Bloody Sabbath wins, we'd like to know, hey, is Hole in the Sky your choice over Sabbath Bloody Sabbath? Do you prefer Thrill of It All over Killing Yourself to Live? Let us know which Aussie track you prefer. Who are you? Versus, am I going insane? So again, awesome, awesome battle. What else you guys got? That's it, man. Thank you guys again for the awesome numbers you've been putting up for us. We really cannot thank you enough. You know, we look forward to doing this stuff for you guys and for ourselves. I've looked forward to doing this for the past three days. You know, we work so hard and we're glad we can give you something to take a break to, but it gives us a break also to get get together and hang and talk about Ozzy Osbourne and Black Sabbath. Man, there's nothing we'd rather do. So thank you guys for tuning in and listening. Thanks for uh, having me as always. And it's been a lot of fun. All right, again, thank you for listening, and until next time, we will see you all on the other side. Thanks for coming. No, thank you for coming. Definitely. One of the things I wanted to tip, uh, did you say tip on? One of the things I wanted to talk about is um, what are your guys' thoughts about Ozzy re-recording? I hear the Undertaker's dong. Damn it. I thought <laughs> I, the Undertaker's dong? I thought I had my shit uh, muted. Okay. Sorry. And it so was. What you, yeah, I thought it was the uh, opening of Black Sabbath. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> Am I up? You know, the crazy thing is, oh my God, I clear my throat. Let me clear my throat. No, 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 no. What is that? No, no, no. You don't know that song? No. From like the nine, neither one of you know that song? No, you just write that. Uh, party club anthem back when I was growing up, whatever. Ryan's Art. like got this thing. He, he plays with his beard now, I've noticed. He's like, constantly, constantly. My wife hates it. <laughs> <laughs> I had the same problem for years. I couldn't grow right here. For years, just like I you. couldn't either. I used to take a uh, eyeliner, and I would no, you color didn't. Any, yeah, because oh. I had a part of my mustache wouldn't connect to my beard, and I hated it. So I took eyeliner, and I'd smear it, and I take my finger and just smear it in. So it, that's awesome. Yeah. What songs are we doing again? <laughs> Two Aussie songs. Who are you? <laughs> Am I going insane? And who are you? Yeah, yeah. I'm fucking. I was just. I don't know, my kids are being loud. And I started kind of getting distracted. I think my first Black Sabbath record was We Sold Our Souls for Rock and Roll. Rock and Roll. So that's the hero country it was. We Sold Our Souls for Rock and Roll. Off the ring. Sorcerer. I'm sorry, Dan. Real quick, I'm sorry. What'd you say there at the end, Dan? Like, I, 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 that. True story. <laughs>